0: Thank you for listening to Mailbox Money, your guided tour through safe, sacred, and speculative investing with a plan and a purpose to do more good with the newfound peace of mind.
1: Welcome into Mailbox Money. I am Ryan Kruger, and I am joined by my partner and my pal, Jackson Wood. And my eyebrow was raised more than a few times about this episode. That I'm going to try to get out of the way mostly. I'm going to throw a couple of lobs at the rim for Jackson from some traditional, tried and true old man ways to measure financial assets that, if applied to a curious, hotly debated, business, market, opportunity in any different class might surprise some folks that aren't willing to stay open-minded, including willing to lose money and be wrong. Um, I want to frame and to be perfectly clear, since I spend all of my time in the safe and sacred sleeves our investment portfolio which we talk extensively about every once in a while we want to sprinkle in something that he and i are talking about before we hit record which is the the purpose of this podcast to begin with just recording a couple conversations we have already every week and if anybody else wants to listen in and or contribute to our dialogue as a community then we're all going to benefit including different opinions Um, Jackson and I had a very different opinion on today's topic several years ago. He didn't change my mind, but he added considerably to my thought process. And we're going to share it all as an open playbook. After the safe and the sacred money, risk-free banking yourself is safe. And there's only a few organic ingredients farm to table that we believe in. Sacred, by definition, is paying you while you sleep with rising dividends. If you have a rock solid balance sheet of any size, you allow yourselves in our opinion to open the door to speculate with a few dollars and speculation is anything at risk in our opinion. How about that for a simple definition and there's no need to carve this up and diversify or over allocate or get dizzy and numb to a whole bunch of charts. It's, it's speculative if you don't get paid while you sleep in our opinion. And that could be, we have partners that talk to us about real estate. Could be beautifully boring cash flowing industrial warehouses that I talked to a family last week that speculated with a teeny tiny amount of money and got paid $500 a month for a long, long time and are now cashing out for $20 million, a tiny speculation that was worth digging into. It could be farmland, which we talked. To a family at the end of last week, on into the weekend, that they would argue is as safe and sacred as it could possibly be. Um, I think there's a room to speculate in that kind of real estate as well. It could be private equity, all sorts of different opportunities. It could be venture capital. It could be technology that is disrupting everyday life as we know it, including digital assets, with Jackson Wood knows more about as a native in that world than anybody for longer than anybody I know. And I'm blessed to have access to a lot of really smart folks. When Jackson came into my life, he taught me a lot about this that was also worth maybe just a teeny tiny sprinkle of at-risk money. And I think the way I think about this and Jackson take the ball and give us an update on digital assets, blockchain technology, cryptocurrency for folks like me that didn't know anything about this several years ago, To those that are in the weeds knee deep in it that consult and ask you from advisors to institutions you write you speak um, you have a wide audience that anybody can benefit from and i'm one of them and i'm going to listen and learn today but i just think if you no matter what end of the spectrum you're on i would humbly offer as a consideration i view it as technology and venture capital that could go to zero. It could also disrupt entire industries as we know them. And Bill Gates said it best. And I never forget it because I think the best teams, including in the capital markets and money management, not just sports teams, are the best at self-scouting. What, how could they beat themselves? What could go wrong at the top of their game? What would the other team be doing to beat us? They're self-scouting. Bill Gates said, most people overestimate what they could do in a year. And they wildly underestimate what they could do in 10 years. So what's caught my eye from the traditional finance chair, Jackson, is some of these industries, banks, brokers, financial markets, asset managers that quietly or heavily investing and growing their blockchain technology during the last year of a sea of headlines and crisis and all sorts of things we may overestimate. And then a funny little thing happened, the old supply and demand side of me and looking at price charts, the ultimate judge and jury. I always say in the stock market, once everybody's on board and in the boat for a good idea, you must ask yourself, who is left to push from the shore for them to move? Because the stock price has to go higher and it only happens to go higher if there are more bidders. And once everybody's aboard, and if a stock stops going higher on good news. That is very, very telling. Then the same must also be true when something stops going down on bad news. Bitcoin and Ethereum have had a lot of bad news in the last year. Mm -hmm. And quietly, I notice, and I don't know anything about it like you do, currently, it's stubbornly stopped going down.
0: Now, I mean that was a perfect explanation of what's been going on in the last year. So I've been, I've been heavily involved in crypto since 2012, and 2022, 2023 has been. And I'm confident in I say when I say this, probably the worst year for fraud headlines, hackings. Um, I I thought back over and over. I've read through journals trying to find a time when there was this much bad news. And we'll we'll talk a lot about the bad news and and put some context there. Um, Because I think, especially in crypto, you have to dive deeper to understand what's really going on. You have to dive beyond the headline. Um, But when the industry was still very young and Maturing, and I would argue it's still maturing now, but you know, 10 years ago, it was much younger, much smaller market cap. Any type of bad news would send the price down 90%. I remember a uh, one single candle price-wise from over a thousand dollars to below ninety dollars when the popular crypto exchange Mt. Gox got hacked. Um I remember when exchanges got shut down, it would push it. When there was a rumor that eBay was going to be implementing Bitcoin wallets, it would push the price, you know, 3X higher. So what we've seen over the course of the last 10 years, very quietly behind the scenes, is a tremendous amount of ingenuity and people that are building for the future of these projects. And we're going to highlight a couple of these. Um, But in the middle of... Arguably one of the worst year of headlines, you know, the last 12 months for cryptocurrency, it has been remarkably resilient. And when you said it stopped going down, it's it's almost positive year over year. Um, and we're, we're going to come up with a graphic and I'll, I'll tweet it and share it. But all of the different headlines uh, over the, you know, plotted over the price chart of the last year. I mean, we're talking hedge funds going down. We're talking insolvencies. We're talking class action lawsuits. We're talking... Um, We're talking Bitcoin banks and crypto banks all getting destroyed. We're talking GBTC trading at at almost a 60% discount after ETF denial after ETF denial. We're talking about, um, we're talking about trusted companies in the U S that have been in business since like 2014, receiving what's called a Wells notice from the SEC that they're trading, you know, these unregistered securities. Meanwhile, the builders have been building and conviction is growing and the fundamentals of these projects are improving every single day. And that's what I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit today. And I want they to kind of paint
1: the- I want yeah. you to tell us what you're building, and what you know, I, I want to give the outsiders perspective and also give you a little bit of credit. It was about a year ago, you were on stage speaking to a packed full room full of advisors at a conference and one of the many things that drew me to you years and years ago is you were the only humble homework in that space that i could find you you talked about what could go wrong you were not drinking kool-aid and talking about all the things that could go right and one of the things where you and i agreed on as with any asset class that generates a lot of attention there will be levered up overly concentrated weak hands that are late to the party trading and hoping to get a little bit more upside and then leaning into it that are completely wiped out. And that's how you see, you know, they say the escalator up, the elevator down, these gigantic price declines. That's what happens. But the, again, the supply and the demand side, when you see true stakeholders and insiders and believers, some of whom in the stock market, no different than this asset class, their shares are never going to be on the market to sell. Measuring that supply and the demand and eliminating some of those weak hands, this is where in all markets, shares are returned to their rightful owners. And I'm awfully interested in the number of stakeholders during these plunges. And I know as they're building, they didn't flinch, which really caught my attention too. And I think it's compelling evidence, opinion-free math.
0: Yeah, and one of these um, exciting data points is, is on Bitcoin specifically. So we've talked in the past about Bitcoin, but there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoins ever created. That's just written in stone in the code that is distributed across the entire network that no one single handedly can change. So we're gonna be at a cap of 21 million Bitcoin and they, they do this to create um, you know a limited supply of a currency you know, and there's some economics that goes back and forth on this, but the compelling data and one of the cool things about the blockchain is you can see what's actually happening with these wallets. And when I say wallets, just think of accounts. Right. And you can see who's holding the, the tokens and, and what they're doing with them and on projects that are highly speculative, as you would assume just like any sort of stock, there is a significant amount of trading going back and forth. And there are people speculating and they're waiting on some news event and they're waiting on some release. And in crypto, they're waiting on some sort of listing or, or whatever it happens to be. And so when you look at the the base layer of these accounts or these wallets, you can see that there is a lot of movement in and out of these different accounts, trading patterns or whatever. And ultimately that correlates highly to price, movement, right? Whenever there's a lot of activity, you know, everybody's kind of rushing in um, and you see the price kind of spike up. So with Bitcoin, 21 million Bitcoins that will ever be created. We've already minted and they've already created the the network over 19 million of those. So we're, we're, the issuance is decreasing over time, but we're marching towards that supply cap. The stat that I like the most about this is that over 10 million Bitcoins of the 19 that have been created, they have not moved within the last two years. Okay, So think about the price movement. And if everybody were in this just to speculate and trade, and they didn't see any sort of long-term value of holding this, we've just gone through a pretty significant decline. We peaked almost at $68,000 Bitcoin price down to, you know, 14 or 15,000. And no one, but uh, I'll no, well, not know what but 10.2 over 50% of the bitcoins in existence have not moved and so what that points to is what you were getting at earlier the lack of speculation for the majority of the rightful stakeholders right they see value in this long term and they're allocating in hopefully in a smart way like with within our framework and they believe in the technology and what this can do in the future and the price movement is you know not important i put a tweet out in like 2014 where i said look to me and i had no idea what i was what i was talking about at the time you know the price was going crazy it's probably 200 or 300 and i said look if you're a technologist and you're really into bitcoin for the long haul price movement and price action is the least uh attractive part of any of this understanding what this can do and understanding what this technology can do that's the exciting part and when you talk about this as a disruptor or as a uh, you know, v- venture capital, their entire purpose of funding these companies and startup investing is to find the next company that's gonna change the way that the world works. And that's the way that we view crypto. And that's what's exciting to us is all of this innovation. And so the, the kind of headline I would come up with for Bitcoin uh, over the last two years, maybe it's boring, but it's just trucking right along. It's just doing exactly what it was supposed to do. An interesting stat is that the Bitcoin network, since its launch, has had 99.9% uptime, which means that 99.9% of the time since day one of its launch, the network has been active. And that 0.1% that it wasn't was right at the very beginning when they had to upgrade the code and there were like three users. Um, And so this technology is working and it's changing people's lives and a sensible allocation to something that I would say is speculative can make sense because we, we can base that on the ideas and and the um, fundamental idea of what this is setting out to do and how it's you know hoping to change the world and so you know that was shocking to me to see you know it's been a pretty bleak year and you know some of the if you look at the markets um, a lot of the the companies or the the projects or the you know, other asset class or other assets that you would compare bitcoin to they've had a pretty rough go um, meanwhile bitcoin. Trucking right, right along, as boring as ever, but it's doing is ex- exactly what it is supposed to do, and for that reason, it, it is what I consider the gold standard of any sort of crypto cryptocurrency investment, and it's where we start first. And understanding that allows you to kind of branch it branch off and out into some of these other more exciting but higher uh, higher speculative you know kind of projects. This is one that I'm dying to talk about. I'm, I'm. I can't
1: wait. So you just reminded me. Since I'm the digital dinosaur and I like tangible props on this show, you reminded me what sits on the corner of my desk. I think he was a traditional finance guy too. Marcus Aurelius said, (laughs) the secret to all victory lies in the organization of the non-obvious. And that thought sprang to mind as you were talking. And now you can hear and see if you're watching on YouTube, one of the many reasons that I'm compelled to listen to a guy like Jackson, because he is watching and believing and understanding and digging deep on the underlying fundamentals and make no mistake, this is still an underlying fundamental technology development, not one of these opinions that I hear and see way too much on TV about what it's worth for folks that have no underlying business experience. Um, and so let's just agree that there's a lot of non-obvious out there. What happens? Who knows? If we take a teeny tiny one or 2% risk of a nest egg, I'm compelled to find out. And I really like the idea of finding a native in a foreign land and a brand new asset class for that tour guide. But I love and have for many years, and I wanted to share with with our audience, you're not talking about or making wild predictions about runaway prices and crashes, you're really studying for over a decade now the underlying technology story. And I'll just share one more TradFi guy that I have tons of respect for and has done a great job valuing businesses. And I wonder though, if he would self scout and admit as as negative as he has been on crypto, if he listened to his own quote, part of the reason I've been a little more successful than most people is that I am good at destroying my own best loved ideas. Charlie Munger. I think traditional finance has to consider and self scout what is going to change or potentially change. And in that non-obvious, somebody is going to line up a really, really big victory. So keep going and we're going to listen and learn more.
0: So one of the, and I apologize, it just cut out there. So hopefully the connection here is fine. Um, the best example of uh, being willing to look at the, the the truth of the situation is Ethereum. So Ethereum is one is is a large position in what we manage. It's something that we're very um, excited about, and we're, we're we're investors. I own some, um, but. If you go back when Ethereum first launched, I was very, very critical of Ethereum publicly, and it didn't make a lot of sense to me as a long-term investment. I thought that technology was really interesting, and I thought that this was a cool opportunity. But when it comes to the investment perspective, it it didn't make a lot of sense to me of why you would want to hold this long-term. And I think people eventually realized that, and the Ethereum developers eventually realized that. And what we've had happen in Ethereum over the course of the last 18 months has been the single biggest upgrade and the single biggest change in any crypto history as far as I'm concerned. And the good news about this, you know how much we hate the crowd and how we go the other direction. While everyone was preoccupied with all of the bad news, silently in the background, in these, you know, in in, in, this group of builders have successfully implemented something pretty remarkable and pretty pretty incredible. And so I, I talked a little bit about this, but basically the fundamentals of Ethereum have completely shifted. It's gone from being um, a smart contract enabled blockchain with no fixed supply cap. So new Ethereum ever were continually being issued over and over and over again. And the only way that you had a price increase was if the amount of new users surpassed the um, the increase in supply this didn 't make a lot of a, of sense from an investment perspective, but it has shifted completely, and the network has been upgraded and just this last weekend, the kind of final step of this was was unlocked it was called the Shanghai upgrade and it went live and basically now the fundamentals of ethereum have have shifted to this to the idea of you can now hold ethereum the supply will decrease over time the rate of decreasing supply will increase with usage. So as the network grows more popular, the total amount of Ethereum that are being burned or destroyed will accelerate, so negative acceleration. Um, And also you as a stakeholder can now receive um, a mining reward or a network security reward. And in crypto, I don't think it's appropriate to call this a dividend. It's a little sacred of a word around here. But it, it's basically you can be paid as a stakeholder of Ethereum now, and so I, I talk about that entire um, process not to nerd out on the technicalities or or to you know paint some bull picture. I, I use it more as an example of active management in this emerging asset class and how important that is. So if you if you take the state of Ethereum right now, there's ve- very compelling reasons to allocate what would be in other projects and other competitors to Ethereum back into an Ethereum allocation because of the fundamental improvements, the technological improvements, and you know, kind of everything I have mentioned earlier. If you rewind the clock about two years ago, you probably have heard of Solana and Avalanche and all these other competitors to Ethereum. It did make sense to take your allocation away from Ethereum and into these other competitors because of the fundamental issues that they were running into at the Ethereum, on the Ethereum blockchain level. And so I kind—I of, wanted two purposes here is I wanted to talk about how these projects can evolve and develop and how you have to pay very close attention to them um, from a technological perspective, but also how these technological changes can shift fundamentally the investment thesis of each individual project. And so this is all quietly happening we wrote an article for CoinDesk um, that got published two weeks ago, or week and a half ago, where everybody was fearful of this, what they call the Shanghai upgrade, which is all these locked Ethereum were going to be um, unleashed to, to the crowd. Well, thankfully, we sometimes still think as traditional financial uh, minds here. And as we thought through this, and as we wrote in the article, all of a sudden, it opened up a new investment case for Ethereum. And coincidentally, the price action was 1700 to now it's closing in on 2200 in just the course of a few days. And obviously, that's not us planting our flag that we were right permanently. But as you think about this, as these projects evolve, you can apply a new framework that traditionally you couldn't apply to crypto. This is completely new. But now we can take some of this experience that we have from you know, modeling other investment strategies and apply it to crypto. And to me, that's another um, kind of piece of evidence that this, asset class is maturing and evolving. And it gets me really excited, but I want to emphasize that active management is incredibly important here, not only because of price movements and rebalancing and all that, that kind of stuff, but also because the very fundamentals of these projects can shift dramatically over the course of 12 months and just buying and closing your eyes, it's it's not going to work. You, you see
1: more reasons why I love and trust this guy as my portfolio manager um, for our digital portfolio. I've I I've developed a severe allergy over the last three decades to people in our business that know what's going to happen next. Um, curiosity beats conviction in so many different ways. Active management, humility, sell disciplines, never starting with more than one or 2% at risk with no leverage. That's how I've spent my entire career in the equity side, and it's worked out. And any luck I've had with runaway success because I didn't know which of those positions were going to work out. But there is one common theme in the 10 bagger that everybody's looking for or the 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 bagger that we've witnessed. They have gigantic drawdowns, which is not to be confused with, well, how did, how did that trigger a sell the Well, once you only start with a teeny tiny amount, if it works at all, you give yourself more and more cushion on the upside. And despite all of these humongous history headline rattling pullbacks in the last year, I can't help but notice that Bitcoin and Ethereum, I know nothing about, and I give all that credit to you, has quietly quadrupled in price. So if Jackson's right, and he'll never stop working to learn more, if there is a secular trend underway, and a brand new asset class, which we only get one or two of in a career to take some measured risk in, there will be huge pullbacks and opportunities along the way. And I just love not knowing. And I love what position sizing and active management and, and one of my favorite managers of all time, John Wooden said it best, it is what you, know, what you learn after you know it all, they count. So I'm really, really glad. I don't know anything at all yet. And this curiosity is awfully, awfully compelling. If you keep diving down this rabbit hole, Jackson, and um, and I know you will keep us up to date. What else on Ethereum that somebody, maybe that somebody like me would not know or could think about or peek around the corner or wonder as you're an active manager in that space and learning more on a weekly basis? What is top of mind for you?
0: Yeah. so. Um, Ethereum became really popular because it allowed, for the sake of two complex technical technicalities here, it allowed a decentralized computer to exist. And as the world caught on to these decentralized computers, the network itself became very congested. I it mean, it's expensive and time-consuming to run a decent, truly decentralized network. And so as the Ethereum network got crowded, people saw the opportunity and they knew how important this was in the market and they said well you know ethereum it's it's taking forever it's expensive it's slow what else is there and then all these other projects started to pop up and vcs jumped on all of these different projects and it was the only thing that people could talk about for you know the last couple of years the thing that i like to talk about now is the game is now ethereum versus everyone else and i'm not a diehard ethereum you know, I'm I'm not ride or die Ethereum. And, you know, I'm, I'm team Ethereum as long as this makes sense from a technical and a fundamental perspective. But at this point, it is Ethereum versus everyone else because of the quiet, ugly, boring, criticized work that the Ethereum developers had to go through for the last few years in order to get the blockchain itself into the position it's in now. And so to me, that's just the story of what is happening here, right? They are literally inventing these new technologies and there will always be roadblocks. There will always be things that they discover, you know, mortem that they could have changed. And that's the fun part of this journey to me and reemphasize position sizing and how important that is, because if you don't get that part right, you cannot go along for the journey of you know this crypto development and advancement. One of the things that, that is unique in crypto that we're specifically seeing this year that you don't have to worry about in other you know, areas of finance is we even have to be active managers with custodians. And you, know, you think about when you open your investment account, you pick them, you know that they're insured, you know that they're fine, um, you, know, you know the ins and outs of where your money and where your investments are held. That is not the case with crypto. So not only do you have to have active management and correct position sizing when you allocate to these coins and tokens themselves, you have to be alert enough to know where in the world your crypto is actually stored. To to make it short, crypto is what is called a bearer asset. The person that controls the private key effectively owns the asset. And exchanges and custodians are supposed to protect this private key on behalf of their users right? Well, the story, and it's continuing to evolve. And what I mentioned in the first place with Mount Gox failing in 2012, this is still happening today. And so not only do you have to pay very close attention to how to allocate once you decide to allocate into crypto, you've got to pay very close attention to where you keep the crypto and how you store it and how you access it and what security is involved and what protections and privacy and firewalls and what type of authentication. And so that has been... Um, Another part of this, and the reason that that we are proud of what we do is because we have the ability to vet these platforms and figure out where exactly we want to keep these. And not only is it about privacy, but it's about um, regulation and whether or not the government will allow these uh, companies to continue to exist. And so that's another big part of it that you frankly don't find in any other asset classes um, that just gives us yet again, another opportunity um, to, to allocate here and to see some upside that others potentially may not be able to see. And, and I would I would like to end with that final
1: eyebrow raiser for me, anyhow, as the digital dinosaur over the last year. I was most surprised, and to share a little bit behind the scenes with, with Jackson's build out that we spent years working on to properly manage a digital portfolio, he, he talked about custodians and where people have their money. There's a lot of good folks that, that even if they wanted to position size correctly, Jackson, last year, they've been led down wrong roads with all sorts of appealing offers and brand new startup, and they can't even get their money back. Real money, they can't get, I mean, th- th- so there's a lot of good reasons that good people who even wanted to try this were burned and probably in a lot of cases never to return and and I I feel that cuz we had I mean, there's a lot of I mean literally week to week night to night you didn't know who was going to be able to do this business and I you know as far as you know one good old fashioned cell discipline from the godfather that always works for me is next time you hear about a great story is to what do I owe that great act of generosity And if yields sound too good to be true, they probably are. I am just beginning to learn, but I will share the most compelling evidence so far for me is when I tripped down the rabbit hole of two of the most traditional old school financial asset managers and custodians that very quietly, while the weaker hands were getting wiped out for good this last year were increasing the size of their own internal staff and investment and R&D and platform considerably for digital assets. That caught my eye. That is serious, long money, not levered to concentrated hot money. That's another clue. I
0: don't know what's gonna happen, but I can't wait to learn more. It's exciting, I'll tell you what. I appreciate it. If anybody has any questions, would like to chat, you know where we are, you can email us team at freedomdaysolutions.com. And with that, we'll see everybody next week. This show is brought to you by Freedom Day Solutions, LLC, a registered investment advisory firm, advising individuals and families nationwide. Performance is not guaranteed and past results are not necessarily indicative of future performance. To learn more, visit FreedomDaySolutions.com. This show contains general information that is not suitable for everyone and was shared for informational purposes only. Any forward-looking statement or opinion expressed is subject to change without notice. Nothing contained herein constitutes investment, legal, tax, or other advice, nor is it to be relied on in making investment or other decisions. Clients of Freedom-Based Solutions may hold positions in the securities discussed.